Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You've tuned in to the 49ers Rush podcast, and here is your host, John Chapman. All right, 49ers fans, the NFL draft has concluded. I'm your host, John Chapman with the 49ers Rush Podcast, and holy cow, what a weekend. Um, Just want to say thanks to everybody that came out. I met up with a couple people, a couple listeners who reached out to me on Twitter. We had a really good time. Uh, Probably too good of a time. Uh, Turns out whenever you drink for 10 plus hours in Nashville, might result in you trying to steal a taco truck, unsuccessfully, unfortunately. But uh, it was a heck of a weekend. Uh, Nashville really was a fun place. You know, I've been to the last five drafts ever since they moved out of New York. And, man, it it was quite interesting to say the least. Nashville did a good job. The worst part about it was there were so many people, the cell phones system (laughs) crashed almost completely. So you couldn't use your internet. So apologize for not posting, but the audio was just so bad. I just couldn't get out there. But today what we're going to do... We are going to focus on the 49ers' second pick in the or the fourth pick in the second round, pick number 36 overall, wide receiver Debo Samuel. So this is a all about Debo episode. That's what we're doing here. So he's out of South Carolina. He's a redshirt sophomore. So he's played five years in college. So he is 23 years old already, which isn't. Eh, it's not too bad. It's not ideal, but he is a little bit older. The fact that. Whenever he showed up, you know, freshman year at South Carolina, he was ready to go. Um, And so we're going to go through basically scouting notes, coaching film, comparisons, uh, stats, analytics, all those things. There's a bunch of stuff to talk about with this guy. So this is a all on Depot Samuel episode. So real quick, let's just get into kind of his height, weight, speed type things. And it's interesting because he went super early in this draft. Uh, I mean, if you look at just the wide receivers that were drafted, he went third wide receiver overall, and there was not another wide receiver drafted after him for 15 picks. You know, it goes Marquise Brown one, Nikhil Harry two, Debo Samuel three. I don't think very many people had their rankings out where he was third. Um, I think, you know, a few people had him in that kind of three, four, five range, but to be the third wide receiver off the board was quite interesting um you know i i liked him a lot i had him in the tier to go in the second round and i'm not too surprised that he went there just because he fits what kyle shanahan loves um and so let's let's jump in and talk about that five foot eleven so he's a little short for a top tier wide receiver uh you know he said that puts him in the 28th percentile and kyle shanahan was asked about this they said you know it seems like you guys don't have that top you know, deep threat, that, you know, huge height, weight, speed guy. And Kyle Shanahan said, you know, I don't think that you have to be tall to be a deep threat. I think that, you know, speed and power, those are the things we look for. But height necessarily shouldn't fit into that. And we see that with trading up to draft Dante Pettis, you know, Trent Taylor, which they don't really use him to go deep at all. 
But and now with uh, Debo Samuel, so it, not a big height guy. Weight two hundred and fourteen pounds, and that's the thing. Five eleven, two fourteen. That's basically Le'Veon Bell, and that's what he looks like out there. Uh, he's very, very stocky. He is a bulky wide receiver. That's a skill guy, yards after the catch guy, big time. Wingspan, seventy five inch. That's pretty low, 32%. Arm length, 31 inches. That's 32%. Those two things usually correlate. Uh, hand size, 10 inches. That's pretty big for a 5'11 guy. That's going to put him at 86%, and his catch percentage does reflect that big time. 40-yard dash. He is a 4.48 guy, and that speed shows on film. It, it, there's He's not leaving much out there as far as speed goes. He does get caught from behind on some of his slant routes, but, again, that's after a 50- to 60-yard game. So, no, I don't think any coach is going to complain about that. Vertical jump, 39 inches, beyond impressive there. That puts him in the 87th percentile. Broad jump, 122 inches, 62 percentile. Three-cone drill. This was the most interesting for me because up until this point, almost every single wide receiver that Kyle Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan has brought in has had a sub-seven Three-cone drill. He comes in right at that 7.03 second, which is 35 percentile. That's not that great. That is actually pretty bad um, for a guy under six foot. Usually, the guys under six foot are pretty shifty. Now, whenever you watch his film, and I'll talk a little bit more about this, his favorite route is the slant. You know, I put out a video earlier today, which has been picked up by a lot of the Niners' websites, of just a compilation of about eight plays where of him just running slants. And it's a highlight reel waiting to happen. He is unbelievable. I believe uh, BD Peacock, Brian Peacock, host of the Locked On 49ers, he tweeted out that on slant routes, Debo averaged 31 yards per catch. Just on slant routes alone, which is beyond crazy. He is a slant master. And as you know, Kyle Shanahan and his offense, you know, you can go look at all of Dante Pettis' highlights. The majority of them come off the slant. Now, he doesn't run the slant as well as Dante Pettis. I, I would argue Dante Pettis runs it as well as anybody in the NFL. But what he does after he catches the ball is elite, elite. 20-yard uh, shuttle or the short shuttle, as it's called, 4.14 seconds. That's 68th percentile percentile and the bench press 15 reps so nothing too special there that's going to put them just in the 56 so uh it puts them right on average with uh most of the people in the nfl now if you go to mockdraftable.com what they do is they do basically a spider web um or a web graph where it shows you how they fit with other people and his comps you know if you, if you click on Wide receiver, you get certain wide receivers, but the majority of his comps that's more accurate are running backs. He does not have a wide receiver's build. So just based off of you know putting all this information into the system, Ty Montgomery um, out of Stanford, you get Bissy Johnson out of Colorado State. A lot of people don't know him. Uh, Kenny Irons out of Auburn, running back in 2007. Julius Jones, running back, Notre Dame, 2004. John Crockett, running back, Mike Goodson, uh, running back Texas A&M, Damian Harrison, uh, Andre Dixon, he was a big one, uh, running back out of Connecticut. And again, like these are the types of guys that he matches up with. A lot of people are calling him kind of a Pierre uh, Garçon clone, um, and they're close, 
but the arm length is different. The bench press is a little bit different, but these are the types of players, not necessarily play style. This is just 100% metrics. And I usually don't do met, um, player comparisons off of metrics, but it just lets you know the type of body type, speed and explosiveness that this guy has. Um, my player comparison was Jarvis. I, I kept going back between these three, but this is going to let you know the type of player he is. Jarvis Landry coming out of college, a very similar grade, um, but he's way faster. Um, you also had a lighter version of Anquan Bolden because he's so physical and he catches everything, but he's nowhere near the size there. Um, also had Golden Tate, with but less shifty, where, again, it's it's a lot of this catch the ball, make moves. And even just if you go last year, DJ Moore, wide receiver that went to the Carolina Panthers. But this is the type of explosive power running back uh, type guy. Get the ball in his hands. Great things are going to happen. So having said that, let's jump through all of the coaching scouting notes. Now, the number one thing that stood out to me right off the bat is yards after catch stud. That's what he is. Bill Walsh would be very proud of this guy because once he gets the ball in his hand, it's just insane. Now, if you want to watch one specific game film, go watch the Clemson game because he is playing against some top-tier defensive prospects, and you see the good and the bad in that game. And initially, whenever I started ranking him, I'm not going to lie, um, he disappears for time, at, at times. He, he's not, uh, he wasn't a part of the best offense, but I want to focus on what he can do. So some of the analytics jump out pretty quick. As far as deep balls, these are balls that traveled um, over 20 yards in the air. He only caught four out of 15. So that's a problem, but a lot of that had to do with his quarterback play. It was awful. It was really, really bad. He did take 70 uh, snaps in the slot, and he had 11 drops on 223 targets for a 66% catch rate, and that is unbelievable for what he was working with. So those are top-tier numbers as far as catches. 11 drops on 223 targets, just to keep that in mind. Uh, DK Metcalf had about 17 drops on less than half of those targets. So now his touchdowns are quite interesting, and it depends on how you really want to look at it because if you want to break it down year by year, um, you can do that. Now th there's some major injury concerns with this player, as there are with almost all 49ers players that are drafted or free agency. Now that's just kind of what we do. But if we just look at what he did um, his senior year, which was his only complete year, he played in 12 games. Um, he had 62 catches, 882 receiving yards. He averaged 14.2 yards per carry with 11 receiving touchdowns. Now, the touchdowns are interesting for him because he gets them in a multitude of ways. So if we look at his career, we, we kind of step back and look at the entire forest. He had He's responsible for 30 touchdowns, okay? Career touchdowns over four years. Now, he only played, what's that going to be, 20, he, see, 12. So this is the amount of games he played each year due to injury, and we'll talk about that in a second. Freshman year, five, all these are redshirt years, by the way. So he redshirted his first year. Redshirt freshman year, five games. Sophomore year, 10 games. Junior year, only played three games. Senior year, played 12. He chose to send out the bowl game to prepare for the draft, but then he played the senior bowl. So he wanted to show, and a big reason why he was drafted by the 49ers is because we were able to coach him there, and they absolutely love the guy. 
So if you look at that, he's played 30 career games, and he's responsible for 30 touchdowns over that time. Now, the way that he gets them are very interesting. 16 receiving touchdowns, 7 rushing touchdowns, 4 kickoff returns for touchdowns, which is beyond impresses, one of the top. Um, he's the all-time SEC leader in kickoff return touchdowns. Two passing touchdowns and one fumbled punt return for a touchdown. Because sometimes he's the punt returner. Sometimes he's the up back blocking the the gunner on the opposite side. Sometimes he's the gunner. And sometimes he blitzes off the edge on punt return team. So this guy literally has scored in every possible way. Rushing, passing, kickoff return, fumbled punts. I mean, the guy just does everything. So, um, you know, again, everything that he does is after the catch, which is what makes him elite, is if you just get the ball in his hands, he's a jet sweep guy, he's speed, he's powerful, reverses, screens, whatever you can do, um, that's what makes him special. Now, back to those injuries. I'm trying to balance the positive and the negative here. I do like Debo Samuel a lot. I really do think that he fits in exactly with what Kyle Shanahan does. However, um, our current front office and our past front office, they no issues with injury concerns, and they just wipe them off the slate. They really do not care. Um, he had a broken leg, which that one I'm fine with. Um, you know, the term injury prone is used far too often, and broken legs have nothing to do with injury concern. I am convinced of now. Soft tissue stuff does scare me. And he has had several hamstring issues that have spanned over two years. Uh, his freshman year, his very first game that he got to play in, the very first route he run, he ran, he pulled he pulled his hamstring, or strained his hamstring. However, they wanted to term that. But you watch him. Usually, whenever you see somebody running full speed and they just let up and immediately reach reach for that top part of the hamstring where it touches the glutes. You know, I used to coach track and football. Almost always, whenever that happens, it's going to be a severe strain or a pull. And he was out for seven weeks, so you, you can do with that what you want. Then he's going to have ankle issues, and the hamstring issue came back the very next year. So this is something that is going to have to be monitored. Um, you know, we saw it with Jimmy Ward just, uh, you know, a year ago whenever he steps out and we were finally wanting to rely on the guy and he pulls his hamstring during his conditioning test, which is 100% just being unconditioned and dehydrated. Uh, conditioning test, you don't do sprints. That's not what NFL does. You're just doing gassers back and forth. Um, he showed up unprepared. Anyway, I don't want to get off on my soapbox. So, uh, you know, they asked this question to John Lynch, and he said, you know, with any type of injury, we make sure our medical staff is good with it, and they said they're good with it. So they hear that, and they're just 100% fine with everything. Now, some of the issues with his game is it depends on if you are watching his film you know, at South Carolina, or if you're watching Senior Bowl film, because during the Senior Bowl, this kid was lights out. And so you watch the one-on-one -on -one practices and all that stuff. This kid is a gamer. You talk about the effort. He is all in all the time. He doesn't leave much out on the field. Sometimes blocking his efforts, not elite. Uh, it's usually good, but sometimes he will turn around and watch his ball carrier get tackled, which is problematic. But usually he fires off with a lot of anger and effort. But 
during the season and in almost all of his game film outside of the senior bowl, he does get jammed at the line of scrim- scrimmage too often. Now, the reason why is interesting. It's not so much his footwork. Um, you know, he is a stem specialist. He can, it looks like he's playing basketball at the top of his route where like you'll see his arms come out and almost like t- try to do a juke move. And he's really, really good at that. But the problem is at the line of scrimmage when he's playing against press man, which in the SEC you're going to see, he leaves his chest wide open. And so as he's doing his footwork, his stem to try to get to the side or to press the corner, he'll get jabbed just straight in the chest. Now what's different about Debo is he's so damn strong, a lot of times the corner will get a clean shot on him, but it doesn't slow him down too often. Now if you do that in the NFL against you know somebody like Patrick Peterson in our division, like you're done like it's over if patrick peterson hits you you're going to be he's going to knock the breath out of you so this is something that he's going to have to work on but it's not really something that i'm too concerned about because he's shown that he is so strong if you just correct a couple technique things and minimize that target for corners it's something that he's going to be able to do very very well with um and it's funny you know he's playing against clemson uh, Trayvon Mullins, who you know goes in the second round, I think he might have went in the first round, but he was in that first to second round tier. He hit him straight in the chest, and Debo would kind of pop back and hesitate, and then he still scored a touchdown on a slant route. So just something he's going to have to figure out. Kid is a fighter. He goes all out on every play. Now the problem is, is there are certain types of coverage where he disappears. Because he does not get a lot of separation on routes versus the trail technique. He is a speed, physical guy. And if you're playing off man, almost all of his highlights come off that. Um, A mirror and match or a press and trail technique. Again, you're going to try to disrupt the timing of the route early. And then you just kind of play Simon Says and you follow him around. He struggled with this big time. Zone coverage, no problem. Just straight man. Usually not as much of a problem, but uh, off band, good lord. Bell technique, no worries. But that kind of stay in the hip pocket with safety help over the top, which a lot of the NFL is trying to run nowadays, that is problematic for them. So um, great stem work, as I said. Um, The big problem that he had was the quarterback in the offense. So you could tell the offensive coordinator that was at South Carolina he decided to find every way possible to get this guy the ball. Um, he had uh, he had 25 rushing attempts. So you're talking jet sweeps, reverses, any way possible. He even lined up in the uh, backfield, kind of a two running back set, and ran counters. It's the old high school counter tray play where you have the quarterback and shotgun, and you've got one running back on each side, and they run the same exact <laughs> motion, both running backs, and he got first downs with it. Now, I will say this. Um, he, he plays everywhere as far as – these are just the positions I've counted. I've gone through, I think, 10-plus game films of them. Inside wide receiver, outside wide receiver, slot to the trip side, uh, flanker position where he kind of lines up behind the tackle, running back, wing off of the tight end, punt returner, punt, gun, punt gunner, uh, kickoff return, and punt rusher. Like the dude – just goes everywhere so very versatile and it helps a lot that we do have the most versatile coach uh probably offensive coach in the nfl at least one of those now before i'm about halfway through with my evaluation on but before i do i just want to say thanks to my sponsor 
game day sports memorabilia. These guys have been with us for a long time, and they've given us a bunch of stuff to give away to you guys. And just want to say thank you for all the support to them. And for you guys, I love giving away free stuff, and I'm hoping to have something here soon. We are working out another ad campaign where we can give away some great stuff. Um, so I will be reaching out with them again soon. And again, anything you need for your sports team, just head over there, Game Day Sports and Memorabilia. Let them know the 49ers Rush Podcast and John Chapman sent you. Uh, they're just easy to deal with, and everything is fully guaranteed and backed uh, by a Beckett warranty and guarantee plus. So the stuff that you know you're getting, uh, you know it is legit. Now, he's a decent blocker, but he doesn't always block the same. A few times you'll see him get kind of pissed off and taken off out on the corner, which is great. You'll see him decleate some safeties that are you know not looking coming across the field. That's great. But sometimes, man, he'll he'll... He'll go out to block, and he'll make initial contact with his arms and then just kind of turn around and watch the play. I, I hate that. I can't stand it. But the majority of the time, his blocking is just running a fade route. So it would be a run to his side, and if they're doing press man, he just runs an outside fade so the corner just runs off and he doesn't have to block him at all. So curious to see, you know, as we watch – um, a training camp and all that, this is one of the things I'm going to keep an eye on. One, his chest against press man. And two, what does his blocking effort look like? So, as I said earlier, elite slant route. He is just unbelievable at it. And a big reason why teams have to be scared is because the 4-4 speed and how he adjusts to the deep ball makes him a scary, scary player deep because... Like I said, his quarterback was bad, but he did throw a soft pass. And so what I mean by that, it wasn't like a Colin Kaepernick bullet. It was he'd put air under it and just let his guy go get it. And this kid, Debo Samuel, he adjusts to the ball in the air. Absolutely bananas. Now, his catch radius isn't great, but when that ball's in the air, I guarantee you this. His body control and body adjustment is level 10. Um, if you just give him something to go get, he's going to go get it. Now, he's not a 6'4", six, 6'3", six, dude. Um, you know, he does have the 39-inch vertical. But I guarantee you this. I have yet to see anybody take the ball away from him or bat the ball away from him. If the ball's close, the kid's catching it. Um, he's just an absolute dog when that ball's in the air. And it, it's a lot of fun because you just see him tracking it so well. Um, as I said earlier, all-time leader in the SEC for four kickoff returns. I think that he will play that role for us early. I think you have Dante Pettis and Trent Taylor as our punt returners. And then you've got Raheem Mostert and Debo Samuel are going to be our kickoff returners. And if for some reason Mostert doesn't make the roster, I think that he will. Um, you'd put Brita back there. He'd probably be the third guy. Um now, it's quite interesting, and some people knocked him because he chose not to play in the bowl game uh, before the draft. I have absolute zero problems from this. And, you know, there's a really cool YouTube video out there called the Debo Samuel story where they go back through his life. And it's pretty cool. It's about a 10-minute video where, you know, Debo – that he Debo's his nickname. Um, you know, that that's the funny thing. He got this nickname because he bullied kids whenever he was in trouble, and they named him after the movie Friday. So he goes by Debo and it talks about how 
He looked up to his older brother, and his brother ended up getting uh, arrested several times over for aggravated assault and burglary charge, breaking and entering charges. Um, and so just how through that process he had to grow up because his older brother, who he looked up to, was gone. And, you know, throughout this process, you know, the brother's now out of prison. And even though he's still the older guy, he looks up to Debo. And Debo, you know, there's not a lot of character concerns. John Lynch even said, you know, whenever we were coaching him during the, the senior bowl, he was one of the first ones out to practice every day. And he would be over at the jugs machine or with punts, the punt team, just practicing returns. He's just a guy that loves football. He's got a huge smile on his face all the time. And if you watch some of the videos or interviews of him, he's just one of those guys that just seems to be enjoying where he's at and working beyond hard to make sure that he gets everything that he wants. So absolutely love this guy. Now where I had him ranked, I had him as my number 50 overall player. And a big reason why I had him there is because there's just this huge cluster of wide receivers that I expected to go in the second round. And this isn't necessarily a criticism. It's just I think this tells you exactly how much Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch valued him because he was a perfect fit. You know, while he was on the clock, all of these wide receivers were still left. A.J. Brown, who I think almost everybody had ahead of uh, Debo Samuel and you know very similar play style they were both there and so you know whenever we came on the clock in the second round I said man we need to trade back if we could drop back five picks there's two wide receivers which you know a lot of people said that that's what we were going to do um, I was fine with that if we traded back but we took Debo anyway and no wide receiver went for the next 15 picks um and, and so what does that mean? This means that Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch said it's not worth it. There's such a gap between Debo Samuel and A.J. Brown that we would not, we don't want to risk, you know, falling down to A.J. Brown. We are going to take this guy right now um, despite there being so many wide receivers that were still on the board. I mean, literally, um, when we took him, A.J. Brown was there, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, Andy Isabella, D.K. Metcalf. Uh, Jalen Hurd was there, Miles Boykin, Hakeem Butler, Ryler Ridley. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. There's so many, almost every wide receiver is still there. So that just needs to instill confidence in the 49ers that this was their guy. And if if that's the case, and they had him ranked as their, you know, top three wide receiver, or probably even higher than that, because I doubt that they liked Nikhil Harry as much just because he's a different type of wide receiver. Um, that is something that is exciting and something to look forward to. Now, what does this mean for the 49ers? And I'm going to be doing another episode, uh, hopefully this week on Jalen Hurd, which I love me some Jalen Hurd. I actually had Hurd rate Hurd ranked one spot ahead of Debo Samuel in my wide receiver ranks. Uh, take that for whatever you want. Um, but our wide receiver core, the 49ers wide receiver core is deep. Listen to these names. And they're in no particular order. Dante Pettis, Jordan Matthews, Kendrick Bourne, Marquise Goodwin, Trent Taylor, Richie James Jr., Max McCaffrey, Steven Dunbar Jr., Jordan Smallwood, Debo Samuel, Jalen Hurd. We only kept six wide receivers last year. So there's going to be some top-end talent that is not going to be kept on this roster because what was a major concern uh, was addressed severely. So... 
anyway, that's the Debo Samuel episode. You don't mess with Debo. I'm so excited to see him just step in. Uh, he's going to be playing that Z, the same Pierre Garçon spot, uh, day one. I would not be surprised if he starts the very first play. Um, it, he's going to be out there. So, anyway, thanks. If you haven't already, make sure you hit subscribe. 49ers Rush Podcast is available anywhere you get your podcast, including where you are listening to this one now. Just want to say thanks, guys, and I will be back with more draft breakdowns for the 49ers. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.